Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we are taping the night or the day before Thanksgiving. Do you want to know what I'm thankful for? Uh, hit me. Thankful that I don't have to think about Bedlam moving forward or talk about Bedlam or discuss Mike Gundy being a gutless wonder in Bedlam. I can move on and be thankful for things that really matter in life. Uh, that's good. That's a good point. Yes. It has been what four days now. Uh, I don't know. Still doesn't feel great, but time heals all wounds. And, uh, it's weird though, Carson, because Bedlam is usually the last game of the season. So I feel honestly the way I usually feel after a Bedlam win, I feel like, or pardon me after a Bedlam loss, I feel like, okay, that sucks. This is over. Now we just get to sit and stew in this until the bowl game. And that's not the case. Putting the football on the tee Saturday morning at 11 o'clock against West Virginia. So uh, not having Bedlam last game of the year, kind of nice, but also kind of weird because it doesn't feel like there should be another game this weekend. Uh, And there is. So, yeah, one more to go. Yeah, I guess it's a good argument for having Bedlam last because, like, yeah, West Virginia coming to town. Like, who's excited about that to finish the year? Lame duck game. Like, it just feels like a – honestly, it has all the feel of an exhibition game, which is weird. Very weird. Yeah, lame duck coach probably at West Virginia uh, program at OSU. That's just complete disappointment this year, the way things ended up. But uh, we have a lot to get to. But first, it's here from Chris's University Spirit. One-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And I think for most folks, you've probably listened to our Bedlam post-game pod that we did Sunday. I would encourage you to go listen to that. I think Colby and I were extremely fair in our criticism, but extremely firm and we didn't pull any punches Colby so I would encourage a lot of people to go check that out because I have I had a lot of people reach out to me saying yes like very few people will say the things you guys are saying like the the press conferences Gundy's up there eating pretzels on Monday acting like he's you know doing his stand-up comedy routine to take all the heat off of what was another embarrassing performance as a head coach but Colby you and I I think this is why people would want to tune into us we're not going to tell you everything's great and wonderful like some other podcasts colby will tell you that osu's offense is great and if you're complaining then you just need to stop well that that ain't what we're doing over here we're we're telling you exactly what's going on we're not pulling any punches we you and i have praised been effusive in our praise when they were beating baylor on the road and and starting off so well against tcu so we're not just sitting over here being curmudgeons colby but we were pretty fair and hard in our criticism on sunday no, I think we were, and it's one of those things you you just have to kind of take what you see and and try to articulate it um, in a way that gets across to people. And man, it's it's tough. It's tough after something like last Saturday. I mean, even the Kansas State game. I, I said it on Sunday. Having two games with names in a span of four weeks is not good. The Manhattan Massacre and the Norman Nightmare. Um, two of those within four weeks is not good. But the reality is. Um, sometimes these things go up, sometimes they come back down. And over the last five, six weeks, this thing has crashed down at Oklahoma State to, to the point that the program feels very different uh, than it did walking away from that win in Waco where it felt like, okay, this team is tough to beat. Uh, when Spencer's out there, 
things work smoothly, and we we just haven't seen nearly as much of it. Shut down in the fourth quarter against TCU, Manhattan, Lawrence, Norman. Um, I mean, th- this team obviously young, inexperienced, struggles on the road. I mean, all those games that I just mentioned, TCU, um, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma, all those games on the road whenever this team crumbled. Uh, at home against Texas Tech, what did they do in the fourth quarter? They stood up, they made the plays. Against Texas, at home, trailing, third quarter, double digits, what did they do? They stepped up, they made the plays. Um, that's a big problem, too, whenever you got uh, guys that are, are young and scared to play on the road, and um, that was another tough thing this year. So, yeah, it, it's just been – it's been a season to to kind of take inventory of where this program sits and, and to talk about and discuss how you take it from where it is, where in 2011 you win a Fiesta Bowl, and then you have to throw out some duds before you kind of get things together. And then in 2021, you win a Fiesta Bowl, and now you've thrown out essentially an, another dud. Uh, I mean, even if they beat West Virginia Saturday to go eight and four, that wasn't that wasn't the goal. That wasn't what this team should have been. So, uh, yeah, Carson's been an interesting season, and we've had to kind of digest it and try to make sense of it. Well, it's a growing trend, and that's something I, w- I want to talk about here in a little bit, just to, as far as Oklahoma State really kind of limping to the finish line. This is not just a one, two-year trend. This is something that's really grown into a a cycle, uh, a vicious cycle for Oklahoma State. But before we get into that, uh, some Spencer Sanders news. Been a lot of talk on social media this week. I thought Caden McFarlane had a really good kind of thought-provoking uh, tweet. I believe it was last night that I responded to. He says, Oklahoma State's offense has produced fewer total yards and fewer yards per play every season since 2017. They averaged 7.3 yards per play, 572 yards in 2017. And it's been a precipitous decline to 2022 where they averaged 409 yards and 5.1 per play, which is just a complete dropping off of a cliff. That's how bad the offense has gotten in the year 2022. Wasn't that much better in 2021, but you had an elite defense. And so I quote tweeted this, Colby, and I said, fire Yursich, they said. Remember all the fire Yursich hashtags? People couldn't stand Mike Yursich. And look, I don't like Mike Yursich. I think he is one of the the least friendly coaches I've ever covered, and that's putting it mildly his first time talking to the media he was a complete jerk up in Stillwater at Karsten Creek his first opportunity to even meet anyone from the media complete jerk but I have to call it like I see it just like I did it with Mike Gundy's Bedlam you know I called it you know what I'm calling Bedlam now Colby I'm calling it the Gundy horror picture show do you like that yeah no that uh that sounds pretty good Gundy horror picture show is what Bedlam is so I can I can judge football and the results fairly despite what i think of you personally i don't i have nothing against mike gundy i just i can't stand him tucking his tail when when he sees the ou logo but so i, I tweet this out and, and then of course it brings out some some your haters and then some folks who just think think uh, actually were coming to my uh, casey dunn's defense which was shocking to me and look i i certainly understand all the things casey dunn's dealing with the offensive line the lack of running game we all know those things. That's been an issue since the beginning of 2014. But you know what Mike Yurcich did and Mason Rudolph and those guys? They still were one of the top five offenses in the country. In fact, in 2017, Mike Yurcich's final year, they were every bit as good as one of the best college football offenses ever. The 2017 Oklahoma Sooners, led by Baker Mayfield, where nine of their starting 11 was drafted in the NFL. They were, by every metric, just as good, and they were even better in some categories. So get out of here with this offensive line is 
It's just imp- it's just impossible. You shouldn't go for it on fourth down. Your offensive line's not any good. They were probably worse in 2017. I mean, they were not good. <laughs> they had Justice Hill, who could do some things running the football. That certainly helped the offensive line. And I know they had James Washington. We all know those things. But to be this bad, Colby, it's completely inexcusable. Yeah, it absolutely is. The the defensive Casey Dunn at this point, like, I'm sorry, but we're watching the games. We're seeing what's happening offensively. We're, we're seeing that despite the inability for the one run play to work for an entire season, it's still just the same run play. Just hoping that this week it's going to work or that maybe a defense will uh, respect it if you do it enough times. I, and then last week against the worst run defense you might see all year, they come out slinging it around in the first quarter, get down 28 to nothing. I just... The, the plans haven't been good. Uh, the in-game adjustments haven't been good. This is now um, four games in a row, Carson, where they have failed to eclipse 20 points. I think they got to 20 against Iowa State. Is that right? Four games in a row they haven't gotten to 20? Sounds right to me. I don't know the schedule pulled up. but and, and I understand Spencer was either playing a little bit down from himself, a little bit hurt, or you were playing with backups. But, I mean, there are teams all over the country that can get it done offensively um, with varying personnel. That's part of football. Football's a physical game. It's not a contact sport. It's a hitting sport. It's a violent sport. Guys get hurt. It's part of it. Coaches all across the country are dealing with it. They can still put up points. 20? I mean, and these aren't juggernauts either. These aren't juggernauts. I would say it's got a pretty good defense, but you should still score more than 20, but they've got a pretty good defense. You're down your third string quarterback there. So maybe that's the one where you get a little bit of leeway. Zero against K-State, 16 against Kansas, 13 against Oklahoma. Kansas and Oklahoma are two of the worst defenses in the conference. Um, yeah, I, the offense has been a, a complete disaster over this last month. And, um, you, you know, we talked about it on, on Sunday that – we think that there will be a change on the offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma State. And at this point, it, it seems crazy that there wouldn't be because, um, you know, regardless of, of varying personnel, this offense just has not been good enough, Carson. No, it hasn't. And, you know, you go by yards per play, which I think is an advanced metric that we've been judging the best offenses in the country for going on 10 years now. And I think it's it's way better than total yardage. And, for instance, 5.5 yards per play gets you to – the top, uh, let's see here, top 60th is the last team, is the highest ranked team to hit 5.5 yards per play. So that bear, that, that the top echelon averages 5.5 per play as ranked 60th in the country. Here's what OSU's done, yards per play all year. They, they haven't even touched. They've only gotten to f- above 5.5 yards per play in one game. And that was the season opener. We're not counting Arkansas Pine Bluff, but second game of the year, 5.5 against Arizona State. Start a Big 12 play, Colby. 5.0, 5.0, 5.0. 5.5, 3.4 against, you know who, Kansas State. Uh, 5.5 against Kansas somehow. 4.1, and then 4.7. Um, it's just. It's it's not any good, and it's the numbers are there. Your eyeballs tell you it's not there. There's nuance to this. It's not all about numbers. You and I talk all the time, Colby, about feel for calling plays. Casey Dunn has seemingly lacked that. So I think it's fair to question if Casey Dunn will return. I, I think who knows with Mike. I mean, he's shown he's shown the proclivity to to get rid of defensive coaches. Uh, Gleason left for Rutgers. How much of that was him telling him to go find another job? I, I, I certainly think it's the latter. 
Uh, he was he was not very well liked up there from what I've heard amongst the coaching staff. So I don't know if we'll make a change, Colby, but it's curious to me, you know, we all kind of sit back and say, you know, you know, Mike Gunny's a made man. He can call his own shots. Nothing's going to change unless he wants to. Uh, I think this is the real first test of this this kumbaya campfire sing-along they've had between Chad Weiber, Casey Shrum, and Mike Gundy. This is the first real test and see how they're going to operate together because do you think Bob Stoops wanted to fire Josh Heupel, the quarterback that won him a national championship back in 2014 when he hired Lincoln Riley and completely overhauled his offensive staff? Or did he get some pressure from Joe Castiglione who, who signs his checks? I, I certainly think that was part of it. Ultimately, he makes the decision, but these are how these relationships work, Colby. Uh, back when Mike hired Dana Holgerson, the longstanding rumor is that Boone and Holder were like, you got to hire an OC and go hire this best one that's right over here in Houston. So I, I'm curious to see how that plays out, Colby. Yeah, no, I am too. It's uh, it's an interesting situation. It's a delicate situation. I like what you said about this kind of being the first test for Mike Gundy and the new administration because you're right, Carson, it's – it's easy for everybody to get along whenever you win 12 games and you beat OU in an, in an epic way, an epic way. Uh, and everybody's happy and things are going well. Um, and things, everything seems to be on the rise. It flips the other direction. Kind of see what people are made of a little bit. Let, let, let's see how Gundy and new administration interact. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens this offseason and going into next season because it's for a point with Oklahoma State football as you head into this new look Big 12, you, you've got to be – the supremacy of that conference. It's got to be you um, and, and probably just a, a couple of others, TCU, can, or pardon me, TCU, Baylor, those teams, if they're willing to spend a little money and stay relevant. Uh, OSU also, I mean, they need to make sure that they're allocating some money to recruiting, getting more depth in. Uh, I mean, Carson, you sent me something on the rundown about Oklahoma State and just the way seasons end. It, it's hard for me not to look at some of those numbers, Carson, and think that's because of the lack of depth as you start to suffer injuries. Again, Teams all across the country lose guys, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're so close to it. Uh, it feels like it impacts Oklahoma State in such a major way that we don't see elsewhere. And, again, maybe that's because we're not uh, as attached to those programs following week in, week out, whenever they have a, a starting safety missing or a starting slot receiver, things of that nature. A bunch of teams deal with that. But the fall off for Oklahoma State, uh, Carson, late in October and through November over the years, it's becoming a bit of a trend. Oh, well, let's go to that article. I thought it was a really well done, you know, factually, statistically based article from Kyle Boone on kind of slow starts and sputtering finishes that, you know, have doomed the end of seasons. And frankly, since um, the final record since 2005, they've lost, uh, they've only won out of their last five games, three at most. They've gone 2020, they went three and two, two and three, three and two. Three and two, one and four, two and three, two and three, two and three, two and three, one and four in Gundy's first year. So that's now some of that you play Oklahoma at the end of the year <laughs> every year. Some of that's that they have backloaded some of their schedules for Big Twelve purposes. But make no mistake, Colby. And look, you're totally right. It's about it comes down to recruiting and depth. That that is not a coincidence. Those records and Mike Holder made national news on this very podcast Kyle Porter and I had him on we were just having him on to talk about literally all things Oklahoma State and he said what everyone in the room's thinking that 
I wish I, Mike's been great. He's won a ton of games. I sure wish he'd recruit a little better so we could beat Oklahoma a few more times. I don't even think he said the Oklahoma part. I think he just said, I wish he'd recruit a little better. And that's just stating the obvious, but it just, it took on like wildfire. Kyle and I felt bad for Mike Holder and the, and the, the S storm that created. But the, the truth remains now years later in 2022. It's, it's a simple numbers game, Colby. You got your Kendall Daniels. You got your, you know, your stud skill players, your Brennan Presley's of the world. When you start losing O linemen and D linemen, like we saw going into Bedlam, this is where it kills you. And it's it's totally down to recruiting. It really is. Yeah, and, and to me, it's it's just consistency, right? That's all we want is consistency because they do it from time to time. It pops up and you have some success. But you can't do it year over year, and that's what gets you the national respect. We talked on Sunday about the damage that this last five, six weeks has done to the brand uh, of Oklahoma State because it takes a long time for you to gain people's respect in college football because the reality is a lot of these people nationally and on the coast and stuff, they're not watching what's happening uh, in the middle of the country. They're not watching a lot of Big 12 games. Narrative is very slow to catch up with reality in college football. And this, the narrative surrounding Oklahoma State is, yeah, they're going to have a pop. Uh, they're going to pop and have a good year every now and then, but you really don't have to show them that much respect. And at some point, Oklahoma State has to change that narrative from we pop every now and then to, okay, this is a consistent team year in, year out that you can expect to be a part of the conversation with two, three weeks left in the season. Um, and, and that's not where this program is at yet. So how do you get this program to that level? Uh, you start bringing in, consistently higher ranked recruiting classes with deeper pools of talent. Uh, you still get them to buy into your system, your cowboy co- culture, all that stuff. Uh, I'm not saying go out and get a bunch of Zach Evans. You know, you don't want those type of guys who are just there for themselves, but I, I just, it has to be better from the ground up because clearly Carson, if the foundation um, at th- that they're building this on was a little more sturdy then maybe things wouldn't break down so much toward the end of seasons. I mean, those numbers are jarring the way they finished in the last five games of the year. And I mean, going back, thinking on it just off the top of my head kind of feels that way. Doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's always a good start to the season and then things start to go wrong toward the end. Well, it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle. Like I called it. And, um, you know, there's reasons for that. And I think that's it. I mean, they finish, they had done a better job recruiting, uh, at least in terms of uh, against the Big 12. You know, they were third in the Big 12 in 2022 in recruiting, third in 2021. That's that's far more closer than they need to be, but they're, they're ninth this year. Uh, they've mostly been around five, four, five, six area in recruiting. And just with the amount of success they've had, they should be they should be two, uh, one, two or three. Definitely three, I guess, behind now that Oklahoma and Texas are gone is kind of what I'm referencing being one or two. But. That's a that's a problem, and that's um, I mean it's not changing. Mike has his philosophy; it's it's been very successful. Uh, but I think if he's honest with himself, I think some of these slow finishes are are boils down to the, the lack of uh, stud recruits they've been getting. Um, so, uh, big big news on Spencer Sanders, Colby. Uh, he will walk for Senior Day, and Mike Gundy was quoted as saying, uh, "They'll be excited." Uh, he said, I mean, everybody loves a warrior. That's what he is. He's a gladiator and people like that. They'll be excited, but sad, but they will be sad to see him leave. Uh, that was kind of an ominous quote, considering the news that came out with him. Um, going to be walking in senior day, Colby. I've been saying it from the jump. I do not expect him to come back to Oklahoma state. Now 
you and I, as you and I talked about on the post game show in Bedlam, I've kind of br- brought up the idea of him transferring to another school. You brought up a school like Oregon, like whew, since Mike Yurcich has been in the news, people are like, let's go see him play for Penn State. And Mike Yurcich, I would love to see him on Iowa to see just how much this offense at OSU was Spencer and how much of it was Casey Dunn. But um, don't expect him to play next year at Oklahoma State. It'll probably be his last home game. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm actually a little disappointed that I won't be able to be there now. It's again, it feels weird to still have one more and, and some people are going to have to go sit out in the cold on Saturday and still water. I'm very curious to see what the attendance will be. Uh, I hope that it will still be good. It, it's he's given a lot to this program, Carson. And and if Saturday is the last time he plays in Boone Pickens Stadium, he deserves to play in front of a crowd uh, that shows up. And, and is loud and, and hopefully finish the season on a win. There is a big difference the way you feel going into the offseason. Um, if you win that game Saturday and then you win your bowl game to where to where your bad season went when it seems like so many things went wrong, if your really bad season is 9-4, and four, you know, you, you still feel pretty okay about that. You lose to West Virginia on Saturday, you lose the bowl game, 7-6 and six doesn't hit the same. It does not hit the same. So, um, yes, it, it feels very lame duck, but I do still think that there are some things to play for. Uh, make sure that you keep some positive momentum with this program and give some of those young guys a reason to want to stick around uh, and be a part of building something at Oklahoma State. So, a lot of guys on that list, Carson. It's always uh, it's always just a little surreal senior day, watching those guys walk out there and thinking, wow, I'm probably not going to see this guy play in person again. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's – Special what what Spencer has done during his time at Oklahoma State, uh, and I hope the fans will show up Saturday to show him and that team some love. Yeah, OSU was posting their uh, football account was posting pictures of like Braden Johnson and, and some of the seniors like their first photos like when they took like recruiting visits like wearing like the older jersey template they used to have. It's crazy just to see how you know the passage of time they look so much different from back then versus now, and it kind of just shows you just how long they've been there and how much work they put in. And it's, it's certainly special. And uh, I think Spencer will get, I think he deserves and will get one of the biggest ovations we've ever seen just for everything that kid's been through and the injuries, the, the, uh, the brutal losses and in, in big spots and just how much he was really the only one that seemingly uh, brought his lunch pail down in Norman. I mean, he was one of the few guys that was really taking the fight to them as best he could. Uh, but yeah, I think he's played his last game. One guy who hasn't, though, uh, Jaden Bray, he will redshirt. He's out for the year. He's not going to play in the last game, which Colby had actually, you know, kind of keeps him under that that redshirting threshold. And um, just a frustrating year for him. He's a guy you and I talked a lot about in the preseason, perhaps becoming the wide receiver one. Uh, broke his thumb, apparently rebroke it in a game. I imagine that's the issue that's keeping him out again. But um, I think his season kind of sums up the whole season, doesn't it, with injuries, Colby? Yeah, it does. It's been a bummer because we were excited to see what he could turn into on the outside. And um, yeah, I mean, injuries, injuries sting. They, they just undo everything. Uh, so feel bad for Jaden Bray. Hope that he sticks around. Uh, hope that he's able to realize his potential and that he doesn't still water because I think we've seen that he's a very talented player. Um, but sometimes it's it's easy to forget those things whenever an entire season is lost to injury. And and last year, it's not like he was wide receiver one or anything like that. He was just like this emerging young kid that we were waiting to see what he would turn into. Uh, and that wait has been prolonged. He missed out on a year with Spencer. Uh, so, yeah, re- really tough break for Jaden Bray. Hope that he sticks around and can eventually become the player that uh, I think we all expect he can be in Stillwater but again just see if he sticks around hopefully he does and uh, hopefully he turns into that guy yep 
uh, we'll see. I mean, the wide receiver room's loaded. I can't wait to see more talent. Shetron, more any Braylon Presley, any, and I mean any. Can't wait to see him. And uh, they just look that stable's loaded, and I think that's why Casey Dunn's an asset. Obviously, we all know what he's done at the receiver position, but I think Mike needs to sign a bunch of coaches that can recruit like Casey Dunn. And let's get going. Let's get some talent. Shetron's a left tackle. Let's get some. Let's get some let's get some Braylon Presley's at left guard. Let, let's get some of these, you know, big time football players. Uh and again. Seeing tweets from this. We lost you, Carson. We had you and we lost you. Yep, I'm back. My microphone cut off. But this Zane Flores kid from Nebraska, there are people in Nebraska losing their minds. They are so mad at Scott Frost for not recruiting Zane Flores, the kid who's committed to play quarterback at Oklahoma State. He's a senior. They're saying he's like the best quarterback to ever come out of the state of Nebraska. So, like, Mike knows what he's doing with the skill talent. It's just you got to go hire an offensive line coach that knows what he's doing with the offensive line because, you know, when Dickey showed up, uh, Henson was recruiting some dudes on the O-line. He was getting dudes in recruiting. And I know it didn't work out with Josh Henson uh, for personal reasons, it seems. But go hire another Josh Henson. They don't have to be from Oklahoma State. Go get a tireless Marcus Arroyo offensive line recruiter. <laughs> Just go do it. Like Charlie Dickey seems like a nice guy, but go do it. So, uh, you ready for three burning questions? Uh, yep, hit me. Uh, can OSU block Dante Sills? This is an article from um, Kyle Cox. Uh, Dante Stills, not Sills. Uh, coming into the game, Stills has recorded nine tackles for loss, four and a half sacks on the year. He's really just – he's been there forever. Really good uh, defensive lineman. Mountaineers are 38 in run defense, and uh, he's he's the big reason why. He's the number 15 run defender, according to Pro Football Focus, Colby. So the, the much maligned OSU running game, Colby, will be going up against one of their toughest challenges yet. Does that excite you? Uh, define excite. Carson, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. Does it frighten uh, you? A little bit. I, I don't know how to feel about it. It uh, – I think anything could happen on Saturday, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, anything, Carson. I think either team could win by three touchdowns, and I'd be like, yeah, I see how it played out that way because Oklahoma State could go out, fix some things, get some guys back out there. Uh, you know, no pressure in this game, no expectations in this game, coming off a disappointing bedlam, and they could just rally and go out and stomp West Virginia into the ground. I could also see this team after this last month, which has not been a lot of fun, after this past Saturday, which was not a lot of fun, just come out there flat and get run over by by the West Virginia's new quarterback uh, and end up losing this game by three touchdowns. I, I truly think absolutely anything could happen, which is kind of a fun way to go into a football game because I have no expectations, uh, and I'm just going to watch it and, and, and take it as it comes. Yeah, it certainly will be uh, surprising no matter what happens. Um, I think it's fortunate for Oklahoma State they're playing at home and not Morgantown because – West Virginia has been so much better at home than they have been on the road. So that too. Yeah. OSU too. Yeah. I mean, they really very similar and let's face it. Like West Virginia is right there with Iowa state for the worst teams in the big 12. I know you got issues. I know you got injuries, but you should absolutely beat West Virginia on you your home. The field. You see the points, Brad? OSU by like two. Is that your guess? Or you thought you saw that? I thought I saw OSU by two. I don't know where you would have seen that. I'm looking at seven and a half right now. Oklahoma State minus seven and a half. Yeah, well, I I thought I heard it referenced on the radio. Maybe I misheard it. So, uh, who plays quarterback is another burning question. When West Virginia's gone to their backup, uh, Garrett Green, who really 
can't throw the football. He just likes to run around, which, you know, can always cause some problems, but I think could play into Oklahoma State's hands. I know they're not a good run defense team, defensive team, but that's when they're facing a quarterback who can throw it over the top of their heads, too. That that certainly matters. But Green's kind of giving them a spark, but um they did uh they did get they did score thirty one on Kansas State. So he um he obviously played decently well. Uh, did Garrett Green. Yeah, and he beat OU. He gave OU some problems late in that game uh, with that four or five-minute offense where they were able to just two up four yards at a time on the ground. And uh, next thing you know, they're down there kicking the game-winning field goal. So um, I'm, I'm not so worried about him beating you deep. Just make sure that you're, you're disciplined on the back end. But, uh, yeah, you're loading up to stop the run against West Virginia, and hopefully they can get it done. Uh, I, I just realized, I mean, we even kind of talked about it earlier, but this, t- this Oklahoma State team is undefeated at home this year. So uh, it gives me some optimism that hopefully they can bounce back and try to end the season on a high note. I guess that is the one good thing, Carson, about Bedlam being the penultimate game of the season. Gives you one more week to go out there and put a little better taste in your mouth uh, as you head into December and kind of the offseason as you await the bowl. Well, I think that kind of leads into the next question. Which team wants it more? You know, West Virginia, not going bowling, probably going to lose their coach. OSU, not the season they they wanted, but it is senior day on your home field. And and Mike Gundy, um, uh, you know, talked about how, <laughs> you know, he does his, his thing on like today's kids. He's like talking about how their attention spans are so short and they just they're scrolling and they, they watch video and they just scroll to the next video. So Mike's saying all the right things, but I am curious to see if, you know, things go south a little bit, if it kind of turns into that Kansas game that you and I watched together, or perhaps the Kansas state game where it just snowballs on them. I think that's, that's certainly a possibility as well. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I, I think we're pretty much uh, in sync with that one. I, I have a question for you about Saturday's game. Um, I don't believe you're going, I, I, I'm not going, I'm working on Saturday, so I won't be there. Your level of excitement as you get up Saturday morning and prepare to turn the TV on at 11. Scale of 1 to 10, just last game of the season, probably last game Spencer plays in Boone Pickens Stadium, but things haven't exactly gone right lately. What's your level of enthusiasm, 1 to 10? Uh, I'd rather go play golf than watch the game, personally. So does that put me at a zero? I- I'm fine with not watching? Uh, yeah, that's Even though I do an OSU podcast. <laughs> That's lower than where I would be. I would be at uh, five, probably. Uh, my, a lot of it is just I want to see if this team can mentally, emotionally recover from what took place in Norman last week when when they got off the bus. Uh, and again, they they just looked scared of their five and five opponent on the other side. I want to see that team come out and look better and be themselves. I I want to feel good about Oklahoma State football as we go into December. I don't want the way I feel today to drag on into the offseason. Um, and and winning makes those things better. But, Carson, I, I don't think that going out and beating West Virginia 17-13 to 13 on Saturday is going to do anything to make me feel better. But if Oklahoma State goes out and wins 41-20, to 20, I, I think that actually might make me feel a little bit better if they went out and dominated them and I could say, okay, there it is, there's a pulse, Let's let's try to build some momentum on that. Make some of these young guys happy. Hopefully they stick around. So I would say I'm at a five uh, because obviously there's not a ton on the line in terms of your season for this game. Uh, but I do still I, I just want to feel better about Oklahoma State football going into the offseason than I feel now. Yeah, I think that makes sense to me. But won't part of you be like, well, why didn't you do that in Bedlam? Why didn't you do that in Bedlam when they're having all this success against crappy West Virginia? Pardon me, hit me with that again. You cut out a little bit. I said, um, 
well, won't part of you, like, when they're having all this success against West Virginia, won't you be like, why didn't you do that in Bedlam? Why didn't you do this in Bedlam? Why didn't you do that in Bedlam? Won't that just drive you crazy, playing against crappy uh, West Virginia? That's a good question. Maybe a little bit, but not a ton, because I know why they didn't do all those things in Bedlam. They're, they can't do that in Norman. They just, they don't do that in Norman. They're, they're, for whatever reason, they're, they're, they just see that crimson and cream coming at them. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Tuck tail. Um, I, yeah, can't make sense of it. I don't know. We, we talked enough about Gundy and his Bedlam woes on Sunday, but I know why they didn't do it in Bedlam. If they don't do it against West Virginia, uh, that would be, Maybe not more disappointing because Bedlam matters so much, but um, I, I think the more the more we talk about this, Carson, the more I'm talking myself into picking Oklahoma State to win by double digits because uh, I feel like they want to send Spencer outright. Well, what's your prediction? Let's hear it. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to be full on 41 to 20, uh, but I do think that this Oklahoma State team will look better, will play better. They've done that when playing at home, um, and this is not a good team that they're facing. So I'm going to call it. Uh, let's go 34 so we can sneak two Tanner Brown field goals in there. Y'all know how I love me Tanner Brown. So we'll go 34 for Oklahoma state, uh, 21 for West Virginia final. Hit me with that again. What was it? 34, 21 Oklahoma state. Yeah. That, uh, I like that. I'm gonna go a little lower scoring again. I, I predicted a lower scoring bedlam. If you bet the under you're welcome. Um, I just thought I even said it would kind of be like a sloggy, ugly offensive game. And that's kind of what it turned into minus the absolute tuck tail avalanche that ensued in the first quarter. Um, so I'm thinking a very similar type game to this. I'll take Oklahoma State 27, West Virginia 13. I do think playing your last home game for Spencer matters. I do think the defense seemingly gained some confidence playing against Oklahoma uh, for those three solid quarters they had. I think Derek Mason's finally... He can just get over his horrendous starts and, uh, you know, trying to prepare for teams that are he, that are going to throw stuff at you you haven't seen before. He obviously needs a better plan for that. But past that, they, they played much better. So I, I think they kind of shut down Garrett Green and hold him to 13 points, which would be a really good defensive performance. But, um, Colby, I could also see this going much like some of those home games. I, I, I continue to go back to, like, that Brock Purdy – Iowa State game, you know, quarterback, the backup quarterback, team that's not playing well, and just they get lit up. Part back of my head, that's kind of in there, but uh, I'll take the better team. I'll take Oklahoma State. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, I've I've got a hunch on uniforms for this Saturday, Carson. Are we ready for the Chris's University Spirit uniform preview? Uh, absolutely. Thanks to Chris's. What's what's on your mind here? I'm I'm curious. I've got a hunch, Carson. This has all the feelings of a gray day, doesn't it? Do you, do you get a gray vibe? That would be a perfect fitting, perfectly fitting end to this season. Just boring gray everywhere, yes. I, this has a gray vibe to me. I think Oklahoma State goes gray, black, gray, uh, which we've seen them wear that that combination a little bit in the past, brand on the side of the helmets. Um, and I don't know why, but for a, a season-closing game, against a 4-7 and seven West Virginia team when you yourselves are 7-4 and four coming off a Bedlam loss. Gray, black, gray just kind of feels right. Uh, it, it's a little more dialed back color, a little less flashy, and just go out uh, and try to beat a bad team. So I've, I've got gray vibes coming this Saturday. Gray, black, gray with the brand on the helmet. You know, I thought of that, but, you know, they are taking senior photos. I don't think you want your senior photo to not be an orange and black. So yeah, I, I didn't I didn't account for that, but I'm I'm standing by my prediction. 
they've warned us before. And again, South, Justin Southwell, our, our resident uniform expert, hasn't tweeted out his prediction. But I, I, I'm curious to know. Um, he'll probably tweet at me later in the week once he listens. But I'm curious. Have they worn orange, orange, black before? Orange, orange, black. Huh. I'm going to say no. I think they've worn orange, orange, white. I don't believe they've worn orange, orange, black, which is really kind of hard to believe. I know they don't wear an orange helmet nearly as much as, you know, black and white, but still. Yeah, orange, orange, black would be, seems like unique. I'm trying to think of a time where they've done that. I don't know that I remember it. Um, that would probably be a little bit better for the pictures. Uh, so I don't know. We're, we're on two opposite sides here. I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm predicting the uh, orange, orange, black with a black brand, black face mask on the uh, helmet. Kind of a newer look to a to a to a helmet. I think is what we're gonna see. That's my prediction. Yeah, I like it. I like or it. They might do the Curse of Cowboys one. They just wore with the black. Uh, did did Bedlam ones have black face mask? I think they did. Ah, uh, good question. I was looking at a lot of other things other than the face mask. Yeah, well, yeah, you were looking at the scoreboard. I, I, I will never. The image that has burned in my brain is looking up after two drives from Oklahoma and the total yardage, and that they had 168 yards after two drives. That 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 is burned into my brain, and it's not, and that's not a good thing. So burned, burned into my brain is the uh, graphic that ABC threw up at one point in the first quarter when total yardage was 208 to eight. Burned into my brain. I don't know if I'll ever forget it. What? 288. 200. They they threw the graphic up. I I can go oh. back and rewatch the game and take a picture. 208 of it. to eight. I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it at oh you. Oh my god. I'll pull it up right now and I'll go find it. Uh, and then I'll tweet it at you. Yeah, the Curse of Cowboys helmet does have a black face mask, but yeah, that that image might be worse than the one I had. I didn't even factor in OSU on mine, so. Let me make sure I can find it. I don't want to be misleading the people, but uh, I will tweet it at Colby eh, J. at Carson OKC. Um, Close enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else nationally stick out to you? I guess the playoff came out. Who cares? Uh, Lincoln Riley, he, get, yeah. he gets in. He's going to get hammered. Big 10 elimination game. Well, presumably, I don't know. LSU sitting in a fight with two losses. Who, know, who knows who gets eliminated for what? I don't trust the committee to do anything right. Uh, Feinbaum saying stupid stuff again on ESPN. Shocker. Guy's a total moron. He he does not watch the games. I'm, I'm convinced that he does not watch the games, and I don't know what anyone could say to convince me otherwise. Uh, but, yeah, the Ohio State-Michigan game, uh, that will get a TV Saturday at 11. And then Auburn-Alabama, uh, it's 22-point spread. But if it's close in the fourth, I'll tune in. Turn into my, my Seminoles. They're playing the Gators. Apparently, Florida's quarterback has predicted a win. And uh, Florida State's hammering folks, man. They've been winning by 30 every week. So that's first time I've been excited about that game in a while. You know, typically, my, my typical tradition, Colby, was to be up in the press box for Bedlam and look up at the screen. And Tim Tebow's covered in like paint and doing his Gator chomp. And OSU's, or Florida State's getting killed right as OSU's about to kick off and, and, literally give away a game against Oklahoma. It used to be my least favorite day of the year. Now it's it's at least on different days. Uh, Yeah, no, that should be a, a pretty good game for Florida State, I would think. It's been rough sledding for Florida. My boss with Golf Channel, he's a huge, huge Florida fan. Uh, He checks out for about three and a half hours every Saturday, and then he comes back, and he's just depressed on the Slack uh, channel. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm sure he will be watching that reluctantly and sickeningly as – They lose I, two last week. Uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, they lost to Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's rock bottom, isn't it? It's it's not good. I mean, it's certainly not anywhere in the middle or at the top. 
Um, lose to Vanderbilt? Yeah, and, and what's crazy to me is Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, I mean, these draft experts are still touting him as like one of the five to seven best quarterbacks in this class. I'm like, based on what? What are you seeing from him that I'm not seeing? Maybe it is just physical attributes. Maybe that's it. But I think we've seen time and time again that just physical attributes aren't enough. Zach Wilson can move. Zach Wilson has an arm. Guess what? Zach Wilson is a little D-bag that nobody likes. So he got benched. He's probably uh, headed the route of Baker Mayfield in the NFL. He's going to turn into a journeyman who's backing up P.J. Walker uh, and who looks significantly worse than P.J. Walker. It's, I, I mean, there's more to it than that. So, yes, Florida State, Florida, I expect your Seminoles to have a very good Saturday. Yeah, I'm still mad at Utah for losing that opener at Florida. They cost me a, a rather lengthy parlay. And they're so much better than Florida. It stinks. It's just like, yeah, that was a tough like, one. How did, it's like, how did that happen? How did that happen? Carson, uh, I found it. I will tweet it at you as well. Uh, it's not the exact graphic that I thought I found, but with one minute, <laughs> with one oh minute, two seconds, I'm scared. You should be scared. It's worse than what I thought it was. Oh, no. uh, it's closer to 300 difference than it is 200. With one minute and two seconds left in the first quarter, with less than a minute more time of possession, Oklahoma was outgaining Oklahoma State 299 to 30. God. 299 to 30. That is like, that's like Casey Dunn. Like, you're not allowed to get back up on the elevator. Like, you just, you stay down here and, you know, drink juice boxes in the locker room. Like, we'll handle it from here. I, yeah, there there were some graphics thrown up in that first quarter, not just that one. There were several graphics thrown up in that first quarter that it's like, how? How is this happening? But it was uh it was an all-time bad day, Carson. You you don't you at some point you have to learn to laugh at things like that because uh we'll still be laughing at it a long, long time from now. Yeah. I mean we'd laugh, but um kind of makes most folks want to cry. Cause again, as I said on the post game show. Losing to Oklahoma doesn't really affect Oklahoma State people. It's kind of become a way of life, or it has become a way of life. But and we can we can accept that. But what we cannot accept is the head coach to completely just lay down and take it and not show any fight, not show any, you know, urgency, not show any, you know, cutthroat ability. That's why people still like Les Miles. You know why? Because he'd get up there and talk trash to Oklahoma. He wasn't scared of Oklahoma. And the current head coach, who's the greatest coach in school history, coaches scared against Oklahoma. You can sit here and say he's conservative in most games he coaches. I will agree with that. But when Oklahoma comes across and stands across on the other sideline, it's a whole nother level. I used to argue with people about this as, as recently as, you know, 2017, 16, and they, those were the 2016 games right up there with 2020 and what we saw this year, but it's not even an argument anymore, Colby. It's not even an argument. So it, it is what it is. It's not changing until they get a head coach who will get up there and say, like Mike Boynton said, who was, would look, we, we got a lot to talk about with Mike Boynton, but he's like, we don't like them. It's personal. I want Mike Gundy to say that just one time in his career. Not once has he ever said anything remotely close to it. So, I'm going down a tirade. You got anything else? 
I fix that. I got my thoughts out on all that stuff Sunday. Uh, don't believe so. I, I hope that the fans show up on Saturday. Uh, I hope that it's a good send-off, not only for Spencer Sanders, but for all of the seniors uh, who have given so much time, bodies, and everything to Oklahoma State football. Uh, the senior days mean something. Seven and four or not, senior days mean something. Team's undefeated at home this year. I think they'll beat West Virginia Saturday. Uh, so, Carson, I hope the people show up and support them. Yep, I agree. Hope everyone has a good weekend. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Colby, to you and your family. You as uh, well. Tell Kim and the folks uh, I wish them a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I'll do the same on my end. And again, it's been a wild ride, but we got one game left, and uh, we'll we'll we're gonna do. I don't think we'll, I'm gonna be out of town on Sunday, so we might have to wait till uh, later in the week to do our our post game show. But it might just go back to. I don't think anyone's tuning in live to break down West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Yeah, on Thanksgiving weekend, it kind of seems unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah, so we'll we'll reconvene next week, Colby. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Carson. Uh, have fun. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your uh, your trip. And everybody, have a good Thanksgiving. Be safe. Be careful if you're going out on Black Friday. Uh, be careful. Uh, and everybody, have a great weekend. We're back next week. Thanks for listening. Go Pokes! <laughs>